Look, it's one of my former uh, TV wives, Anna DeFlantis. <laughs> Hi, Anna. Hi, former TV husband. How you doing? How's the extra hour of sleep working for you? Is that okay? We approve around here. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Chicago history, and uh, this week in particular in Chicago history today, some familiar stories, some obscure, right? Yeah, I've got a few. I've got some good ones. You and I are both big fans of this, Bob, I know. And, and as part of my new role here at GN, I'll be looking deeper into some of the subject matters that make news, revisiting some of the things that have already made news, and doing some investigative reporting. Can I plug something real quick, just out of the gates here? I I've think I know what it is. The mayor, mayor Lightfoot, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to be sitting down with her this afternoon. She doesn't do this all that often, and... Um, gosh, so much to ask her about, right? I mean, it's just uh, the, the uh, I'm sure the amount of time I have will be filled very quickly, but then I'll be talking about it throughout the day here on uh, WGN Radio, and then tomorrow, too, because uh, that interview won't wrap up till much later in the afternoon, and I'll be on News Nation tonight with that as well. So so when will we, when, when's the first time we will uh, see or hear your interview with the mayor? I, th- I believe uh, we'll wrap up like 2.30 or so, so we'll try to get it on to Chicago's Afternoon News. I know Ryan Burrell will be picking it up in the in the news um, uh, throughout the day. Good. The afternoon, so that uh, we'll see what she says. Lots to ask her about. But this week in Chicago history, Bob, look at, let's start at 1900. We're going to go back there, okay? This week in Chicago history, the year 1900, January 2nd, they reversed the flow of the Chicago River. Oh, right. And, and that was because there was all sorts of wonderful stuff in our drinking water, correct? <laughs> <laughs> in our drinking water, you're right. As, as Chicago was transforming from this tiny frontier town to a major metropolis, city was growing and all the raw sewage was flowing into the, the lake. And that is, of course, the source of our drinking water. So we were drinking it back then, or our ancestors were, the people who lived in Chicago at that time. And Go figure. They were getting typhoid and dysentery and cholera, and they said, we got to do something about this. So this guy named Ellis Chesborough came into the picture. He had just helped Boston with their water problems, and he came here and he said, you know, gee, we could reverse the flow of the river. And some people thought he was crazy, <laughs> uh, but they ended up doing it just like that. I, I don't. This is interesting, though, Bob. St. Louis, of course, was the beneficiary of our wastewater sewage going into the Mississippi, and they weren't all too happy about this. I looked this up. This went all the way to the Supreme Court, where they fought it, and they said, wait a minute, Chicago can't do that. But the Supreme Court ruled in uh, in Chicago's favor. An um, engineering wonder of the world, for sure. Uh, and, of course, uh, when you talk about Chicago history, the Chicago fire always comes up. But there was another fire that uh, you don't hear about as often, but it was equally disastrous and, and impacted uh, fire safety regulations, didn't it? Yeah, killed more people, but then the Great Chicago Fire, known as the other Great Chicago Fire at the Iroquois Theater, now the Nederlander there on Randolph, I believe. But uh, 600 people died in that tragedy in 1903 this week. A lot of uh, building codes that exist to this day came from that moment. Many of us have come to learn that because at that time people were trying to escape the fire after a curtain caught fire on stage during a matinee performance. A lot of women and children were there. It was such a big deal. Mr. Bluebird was on stage. Bluebeard was on stage and people were just enjoying it. They had packed into the theater um, and some of the doors were stage doors. They were just designed to look pretty. They weren't real doors. They were most of the doors opened inwards. They don't allow that in theaters to this day. Some of them had been shut or they had separated sections like the VIP section from the other sections with gates that didn't open. And 
a lot of that uh, changed that year when that um, those horrible things, uh, just just a horrible fire broke out, and all those people lost their lives. Interesting note there, too, I looked into this. They paid off, in true Chicago style, Bob, you'll appreciate that, they paid off the building inspectors to get that theater done quicker, to get the opening you know, performance. And that was one of the things they attribute to why the uh, fire code you know, laws were skirted. Envelopes even exchanged way back then. All right, we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll uh, talk about, uh, well, the most famous resident of Lincoln Park Zoo, and also Smell-O-Vision, believe it or not, part of this week in Chicago history with Anna DeVlantis. January 1951 was a sad month in Chicago history, wasn't it, Anna? It was, Bob. You know, 1951, Bushman, Bushman the gorilla. That's when uh, he died, January 1st of that year. He had become an international sensation. Bushman was the gorilla that was... Uh, found in Cameroon, Africa. He lived as an orphaned infant gorilla with missionaries. Kind of an interesting backstory. And then when the missionaries' uh, tour ended, they needed to, uh, they, they couldn't return him to the wild, so they sold him. And he eventually ended up in the hands of the Lincoln Park Zoo. Um, just, uh, I mean, just captivated the world. Kids from everywhere were coming to see him. On one day after they had announced it looked like he might be dying, a day in June in 1951, I believe. No, 50, excuse me, because a few months later he would die. 120,000 people came to Lincoln Park Zoo to just get one last glimpse of him. And wow. it's uh, it's remarkable to think about this gorilla. I think he's still at the Field Museum stuffed there. Mm-hmm. I know for years he was. I haven't been there since the pandemic began, but... Um, he made such a mark on the world as this famous gorilla. And by the way, I looked into this, too. One thing he did uh, shortly before he died was he escaped from his enclosure. <laughs> he, he made it into the kitchen. I guess he was hungry or something. And he, and he, he just and he literally got scared by a snake and raced back to his enclosure. So that's uh, the story of Bushman. Who died. I, I've always been fascinated by Bushman. And I'll tell you why. I've heard many stories over the years that... Uh, he heckled people, that uh, he would <laughs> yeah. throw things at the visitors and make fun of them. And so he, uh, Bushman's always been an idol of mine. And I believe even stuffed at the Field Museum, uh, he may insult you if you go by there. So uh, watch <laughs> out for that. Now, this is uh, interesting because it was 1960, January, right here in Chicago. Apparently, the next big thing in the theater-going experience <laughs> arrived and uh well, or did it arrive? <laughs> well, it was supposed to arrive, Bob. Smell-O-Vision. Smell-O-Vision was uh, created by a Chicagoan. I think he was Swiss-born, but he was had moved to Chicago, and he said this was going to be the next big thing in the theater-going experience. We were all going to have, like, scents coming out of our chairs and Smell-O-Vision filling our theaters, and this was going to be big. Spoiler alert. That never happened, Bob, as I think you and I both know, and maybe it will still, but Hans Laube was his name, and The Scent of Mystery debuted, a 1960 film. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor had a little bit of a cameo in it, too, back then, and he thought, you know, releasing odors into the theater would just create that extra-dimensional experience. The problem was some of those odors sort of lingered and when you had moved on in the movie, you had people up in the cheap sheet seats who weren't smelling the odors at the right time. And there, there were just all kinds of problems. It didn't work. And they they abandoned it then. But this guy, Hans Lobe, I think I'm saying his right name right, Hans Loeb or Hans Lobe, uh, had debuted in 1939 at the New York World's Fair. And nobody picked it up. But then 1960, they took a they took a trial, a run on it. And uh, the scent of mystery 
was not a hit to say the least. People just didn't like all the sense. <laughs> yeah, the problem work. was getting rid of the uh, smell. But uh, recently, a, a Japanese professor developed yeah. a television screen uh, that is supposed to be capable of producing food flavors. So you watch TV and you can smell food. How about that? Yeah. I kind of like that. And I know they've tried this in different ways over the years. It does seem like that next dimension, maybe they'll figure out a way to do it. You know, when you go to Disney World and they have the things that shoot out at you and there's a, there's a little bit of that extra dimensional experience, maybe the smell thing's going to work, Bob. Well, I don't it, know. It's a prototype know. now, so it's not an app just yet, but it, it may be coming <laughs> soon. So uh, once again, Anna Delantis with Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, tell us again when that'll be on WGN Radio and also on cable on News Nation. We're going to try to get it on with the Chicago's Afternoon News if we can turn it in time. But certainly this afternoon, and we'll be carrying excerpts of that uh, throughout the day today and tomorrow here on WGN. I'll be on News Nation uh, Leland Vitter's show later on at 6 o'clock, and uh, you'll see me popping up throughout the evening there. Um, and we'll see what she says, Bob. Lots to ask her about, as I said. Now, uh, do me a favor when you see her. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell her uh, I said hello. And also, now, about a month ago, I was at an event, had a long chat with her. Uh, she was very nice to me, very complimentary, and since then has not taken any of my phone calls. <laughs> so if I ask her, just ask her point blank, are you afraid to go on in the morning with Sarah? <laughs> Let me know what so, she says. You know, Bob says hey, and, you know, he feels like you're ignoring her. Yeah. Right? No, I don't feel That's like it. She is ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let her know, uh, yeah, warn her. I mean, you you don't want to you don't want me to turn on you here. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Anna. <laughs> Dan, All right, thanks. Uh, we look to forward you. to your chat with Mayor Lightfoot.